The following episode was written, researched, and recorded between 9.54 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, April 15th to 4.56 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, April 17th as part of the WTS 48-hour challenge. Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, pop culture, and experience. This week is the result of another 48-hour challenge. What's that, you say? Well, that's where our listeners suggest a bunch of topics they'd like us to do a show on. We randomly draw one, and then we research, write, and record an episode within a straight 48 hours. And this time, our topic is classic. What does that mean? And what could that possibly have to do with self-development? Well, stay tuned. My name is Brett Guida. And my name is Nick. Oh, Nick, Nick, Nick. It's okay, Nick. I got this. I got this. And that's Mick Zajorski. <laughs> Classic. Let's start the show. On the dollar bill, those are among the few constants in a changing world. But now another of those constants may be changing. Coca-Cola is about to announce what it calls the most significant development in its history. So successful that it's been tinkered with, but never dramatically changed in nearly a hundred years. But tomorrow, Coca-Cola Company will tell a thirsty world it's putting a smoother, sweeter taste into the most instantly recognizable bottle in the world. This has got to be the boldest consumer product move of any kind, of any strike. 33 years ago this week, on April 23rd, 1985, Coca-Cola introduced what was unofficially called New Coke by many, dramatically changing its formula for the first time in 99 years, perhaps the most significant change since cocaine was removed from the drink in 1903. CEO at the time, Roberto Gozueta, promised the New Coke would have a bolder, rounder, and more harmonious flavor. Turns out, drinkers weren't so keen, and the backlash from consumers was fast and furious. I'll have the tuna. No crust? No crust. It's been reported that in the weeks that followed the release, Coca-Cola received as many as 8,000 calls a day from upset consumers wanting their Coca-Cola back. One consumer said that changing Coke is like God making the grass purple. Others compared it to burning the flag and rewriting the Constitution, a protest group formed called Old Coca-Cola Drinkers of America. And Roy Champiomont, a businessman in Houston, felt so strongly about Coca-Cola's decision to change the formula for the drink that he wrote a protest song entitled, You Changed the Taste. Now, contrary to my belief that everything is on the internet and where there's smoke's diligence to do research, we weren't able to track down a recording of You Change the Taste. I know. So, instead, here's the lyrics to You Change the Taste set to the tune of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. <clears throat> Don't take it out on America, all feelings are very strong. After 99 years of being right, you did your country wrong. So now hear our plea and know that this is no joke.
Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Donald Keough, the president of Coca-Cola at the time, said they were blindsided and they failed to anticipate the, quote, deep and abiding emotional attachment to original Coca-Cola felt by so many people, unquote. Senior Vice President and Director of Marketing Roy Stout was quoted in a newspaper, we kept saying that as time goes on, they will forget about old Coke, but they fell in love with the memory of old Coke. Ah, but not old Coke, Roy. Coke. Coca-Cola. Because to many people, that flavor, when it touches their lips... That taste was classic. So, what is classic? Well, I reached out to some listeners of this show, and I asked them how they would define it, what they think of when they hear the word classic. Um, Authentic and original. When I hear classic, I think enduring. Yeah, something that, that, that stands the test of time. Something that's timeless. Something that holds its value or maybe even gets more value over time. It withstands the test of time. And I think also generations. And a few of them shared things they think of as classic and why they are classic to them. Uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System, the, the NES. Um, well, Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Bruce Springsteen song, Born to Run. Yeah, I think of like classic movies, like Breakfast at Tiffany's and So Random, Beetlejuice. <laughs> when I hear classic, I first think of classic cars. Like classic style, like a black tuxedo. Khakis and denim, cowboys, bob haircuts, polos. Oh, it's classic now just because of how many countless hours I spent playing that. And it's almost the the standard upon which I compare um, all the new systems to. It always gives me that feeling that that sort of made me fall in love with them in the first place. You know what I mean? It's good no matter when you listen to it, and I'm sure it will be good 30 years from now. It's timeless. It goes throughout the throughout the years. It's just it's something you can go to. They're classic because, yeah, because they're enduring, because I have strong memories around them, and often they're, like, shared or collective. Yeah, it's, it's like they don't make it like that anymore. That's, that's kind of the attitude I have when I hear classic. Now, in Coke's case, this was literal for a moment. They didn't make it anymore. It strikes me that you can't really manufacture a classic. External opinions deem something a classic or not. And contrary to what sports talking heads might want you to believe, another instant classic. There is no such thing as an instant classic. Things are simply recognized as classic after they stand the test of time. Do you think Bruce Springsteen knew this was going to be a classic when he wrote it? Or Led Zeppelin when they laid this down? Long time, long 
or even this guy when he put out this song. Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next time. Yes, you've just been Rickrolled on Where There's Smoke. <laughs> Classic. Which brings up another spin on classic. Classic can be a moment or an action, as the tried-and-true resource the Urban Dictionary cites classic when someone does something ridiculous or funny, but it is typical of that person, so it makes it seem normal. You know, like when your buddy does something and you're like, ha <laughs> classic Kevin. When we think about classic, we often think about things like movies or books, songs, you know, sometimes classical music comes to mind. In fact, that's what Brett heard when he asked our WTS explorers. But on a show ostensibly about self-development, I think it sort of begs the question, can a person be classic or maybe better put, is there a classic you? I think the answer is a definite yes. There's some version of yourself from your past that lots of people would say, oh yeah, that's classic Becky or classic Ron or whoever. So to help explore this idea, what is the classic version of a person? I guess we could start with, who is classic Nick? I'll be the guinea pig. And so to answer that, I decided that we needed to go straight to the source. Hi, my name is Luke Roberts, and I've, I mean, do I, can I say that I've known you since preschool? No, because I dispute that story. <laughs> I don't what? think. Hold on. Wait a second. No. Hold on. Look, guys, <laughs> I met you on the first day of preschool. At right school, you had crazy hair, and you came up and you talked to me, and then I didn't understand anything you said, and then you walked away. I That's do, what happened. I do not believe the story. We, we, no, look, we do not discuss it now. That's what happened. So when did we start hanging out? Um, I would say uh, after our sixth grade year, or was it seventh grade? We were college roommates for five years. So yep. uh, this is a good place to start. Um, if I were to ask you to describe classic Nick, what comes okay. to mind? Um, I would say classic Nick always has an opinion. He, <laughs> he, he never... He, yeah, there's never a time where you're like, I don't have an opinion on that. I've never heard that that come out of his mouth. <laughs> I'm Bert Berla. Uh, Nick and I have known each other since the spring of 1996. Someone got you a present where they um, like wrapped like three pennies and a pair of socks in like 14 boxes. <laughs> Um, you, you were not on board with it, like at all. Really? That's so <laughs> you, disappointing. Well, I kind of remember being a little disappointed about it, but you just like, you did not think it was funny <laughs> and to everyone else in the room that made it so much more funny. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I'm Sharon Gutowski and I have known you since I was in eighth grade and you were in seventh grade. And I, at least, I don't know, you were my first girlfriend back then. Oh, yeah. And you were the first um, boyfriend that I liked. <laughs> That's a very, I like yeah. that. That's good. A um, little bit of a technicality there, but it's the truth. 
I think of you as a perceptive smartass. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's hard to argue with my friends. Back in my teens and early 20s, I was opinionated, cocky, and loud. And that's a pretty good description of classic Nick. But I have to be careful. In fact, we all need to, because anytime that we think back on our past, we run the risk of focusing on just one aspect of who we were or what happened. Maybe it's all of the fun times we had, or maybe it's all of the bad things we did. Maybe we remember how popular we felt like we were, or maybe we focus on all of the sadness we felt. Our memories seem to come back to us in these batches of similar experiences and emotions, but those stories don't truly and fully convey who we were, what we did, and how we felt. One night back when I was in high school, so this is during classic Nick times, I was sitting at a crowded steak and shake listening to a friend who was going through some problems. And honestly, I don't even remember what the issue was, so that means they probably survived, because we usually do. And anyway, we got up to leave, and as we were going to pay, this woman sitting at a table across the restaurant gently grabbed my arm as I walked by her. And I was, like, confused. And she looked at me and she said, Excuse me, I, I just wanted to tell you that I've been watching you with your friends, and it just seems like you're such a great listener, and you're so compassionate. I just wanted to tell you that I've been going through a really rough time, and I'd be really appreciative if you could just pray for me. That would mean a lot. And I don't remember exactly what I said back to her, but I do remember sort of feebly telling her that it would be okay. I mean, what do you say? And honestly, like, the more I think back to it, I'm actually remembering that I talked to her for a little longer than even I initially remembered. It was to the point that one of my friends kind of waited and asked what happened. I just hope it worked out for her. But the thing is, while my friends are right that I was loud and obnoxious and opinionated, this story is also classic Nick. That's a Nick that I had totally forgotten about. A person with extreme empathy and passion that could be spotted across a crowded restaurant. That passion that led to gather his friends to start a nonprofit for hunger and homelessness when he was 16 or 17. What happened to that guy? Because while I don't think I'm a bad person by any stretch, I, I know that something has changed. And honestly, I don't think I like it. You know, Nick, I don't know if everything happens for a reason or if we give reason to everything that happens, but it seems timely that we drew the word classic for this episode and that we are exploring this idea of a classic version of ourselves. Because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Classic Brett. I was the guy that people would say, Brett's always in a good mood. He's always happy. He's always having a good time. He's an eternal optimist. And I'm not saying that that was true to that extreme, but it was people's experience of me. And I just don't feel like I'm that guy anymore. You know, whether that's due to life, aging, challenges, I'm not sure. I am sure that I'm sort of envious of classic Brett. I've struggled in the past few years with energy and just my overall attitude. And, and not for any reason, most of the time, just me 
at rest, you know? It's it's like how they say that there's a number of calories that each of us burn at rest. What's the feeling I have in my body at rest, so to speak? So not when I am up about something or down about something, when I'm just being. And lately it it feels low. And without going into details, you know, I, I can point to some health reasons for that and I have some options there. But I'm also someone who, for better or worse, tends to believe that I can shift anything with my mindset. And I'm dragging there, if I'm honest. And that's, that's a hard place for me to be. It's embarrassing to me, even though I tell myself it shouldn't be. That said, acknowledging it out loud, as I've done in a few ways this season, that's new for me. And that's a part of new Brett I'm proud of. Or at least I think it's an upgrade. But I still miss that classic Brett. I wouldn't choose to be him. I appreciate the ways in which I am different, in which I've grown. But there are aspects of that guy that I'd like to have back or integrate into who I am now. As we get older, the hope is that we get better. With more experience, we should have more wisdom, right? And if you're listening to this year self-development podcast, then I'm sure many of you are constantly searching for a way to, quote, live a better life, as we've said before. So we read books, we watch documentaries, we write, create, live, make mistakes, learn, rinse, repeat. And we do all of that in the interest of doing it better the next time because we want to find a new and better version of ourselves. And that's great. But I think sometimes you forget that development isn't just about changing what we don't like or what isn't working. It's also about identifying what is working, those elements of ourselves that we love. And making sure that not only do we hold on to them, but we develop those things too. Sometimes in all of our effort to change ourselves, we can lose some of the parts that most matter to us. So remember, in our quest to improve, development doesn't always have to mean looking forward. Development can mean looking back looking to those values and behaviors that made classic you want to become new you in the first place. It's easy to get distracted by whatever self-help book is on the top of the bestseller charts, or that TED talk that your friend sent you, or even the latest episode of that amazing podcast that explores self-development through the lens of current events, pop culture, and experience. And that's all wonderful. Do that. Explore. Grow. But don't lose sight of who you were, because that person classic you also has value. I mean, Brett has started the work of recapturing some of that classic Brett, and I'm only just now realizing that there's elements of classic Nick that I want to reclaim. And I don't know most of you listening, but who is that classic you and what can you do today to become reacquainted with that person? And that brings us all full circle back to Coca-Cola. 33 years ago this week, the Coca-Cola company shelved their original Coke formula in favor of something that they said would have a bolder, rounder, and more harmonious flavor. And it did not go well. (laughs) People already loved Coke and felt like it didn't need to be improved. They simply just missed what they had grown up with. 
that classic flavor of Coke. And I'm sure we've all felt that way about ourselves at some point. We miss who we were. So perhaps there's some encouraging news in this story. Just three months after changing their formula, the company just brought it back. You could just buy the old Coke again. Well, with a slight change. The label now read Coca-Cola Classic. And some bad publicity aside, it wasn't really a big deal. People soon forgot about it. Coke got to be classic again. In fact, some of you listening probably don't even know this ever happened. So don't despair, dear listeners. That old you, that classic you, it's not gone. It's still there. You just need to go find them. And if nothing else, I'm sure that journey will be classic. Hey everyone, this is Brett. This is Nick. And first off, we just wanted to thank the people that uh, took time to talk to us and that we included in the show. Uh, so on my side, uh, talking about what classic meant to them, and we talked about a lot of other things that sort of inspired the narrative of the show as well. Amber Robertson, Billy Poggy, Brian Senchik, Leah Vermullen, Melanie Diesel, Bill McCaig, Natalie Juarez, and Paige Sondrop. And Nick, you as well? Yeah, the people who talked to me about classic Nick, thanks to Sharon Gutowski, <laughs> Bert Berla, Jenny Berla, and Lucas Alberts. And I just want to clarify that they said actually lots of nice things as well. I feel like I don't want to paint <laughs> them as they said nice things, but I cut them out. I think that's important there you go. to share. There you go. You, we, yeah, we were, we were trying to stay, stay with a, a story arc Yes, here. yes. Um, we also want to thank Tom. Thomas Quint- Quintanilla, I believe, would be the right pronunciation. And Thomas is the one who suggested classic as a topic for the 48-hour cha- challenge. And obviously, it was chosen. So thank you, Thomas. And Nick, yeah. once again, we... We rocked it. We rocked it. We like, did I it. Can't even, we it, did it. It almost seemed like Crushed not a big it. deal at all. And it, it was sort of strange how easy it was. Yeah, and it's felt, funny. I think felt, we both had felt. the same feeling when we got classic. We were like, yeah, this is going to be great and fun. And then there would be both had a period of like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> and then when we yeah. found the show, it was, we were it just sort of within a day, it was kind of mostly done. Yeah, boom. And I think like right away, I sort of had some ideas for, you know, sort of gags we could do. And the really the, the, the challenge, I think, was figuring out how to link it to self-development and I mentioned that to you, and then you had the spark that really, I think, brought it there. And yeah, like you said, after we did that, everything went uh, amazing. Yeah. So we did it again. Well, I moved um, in this. So I'm oh, yeah. this in the new in a new house. Nick's in a new house. He has paint swatches on, on the, his back wall right <laughs> I do, now. And I'm that looking explains at why it doesn't sound great here in my office. It's a cube. <laughs> I'm essentially recording in a jail cell. Oh, by the way, my new home is a prison. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, but because the, we got classic, we were able, I, there wasn't any stress related to the show because we'd already finished writing it. It was great. All right, Nick. So we promised we would keep this to three minutes yes, because we wanted to keep it brief and move on to digs. So we just want to say once again, thanks to everyone. I think we will do this again. Yes. Um, because one of the, at, at first this was about the challenge. Can we do it? But it's sort of become actually just a really great productive way for us to do shows yeah it, it removes the barrier of like we've got to do the greatest best show ever because we've got all yeah. this time it's like you've got two days jerks figure it out and yeah i think it it sort of in some ways is like the old episodes we did in terms of like one a week but with given like the suggestions from the listeners i think it just 
puts us in your, we would never have done a, an episode like this had we not been yeah. given the suggestion. No, never. And that's the other part we said it before is that we at least know that we did an episode that one person out there asked for. Yes. So hopefully more than one of you enjoyed it. All right. So with that, Nick, we are going to transition here. I'll put some and we music. Awesome uh, music. Boom. There we go. And now we are in a segment you are all very familiar with. A classic segment, mm. some might say. <laughs> that ah. made me very happy. <laughs> WTS Digs, where Nick and I talk about things that we are digging. Uh, all kinds of stuff. TV shows, movies, products, food, drinks. Uh, I hear we don't tell each other what our digs are, but uh, I hear that this week Nick ha- might have something. I believe conceptual was the word he used. Yes. So Nick, I'm going to let you start. So because I feel like your thing is sort of floating oh, around, all not, around us right now. It's not. I, w- I wish. Oh, it it's were. not. I wish it okay. were something right. that's going to like blow your mind. But uh, so I made this move, and I'm an adult. I'm an adult man. I'm an adult. Right. And I for about a ten year stretch. Between undergrad and grad school and teaching, whatever, I moved like 11 times in 10 years. I did a ton of moving. And moving is the one thing that all of my friends know I hate more than any. It is a, like an established fact that I just, like, I don't want to help you move. <laughs> right. Like, it's not a thing I want to do. And I make it, I just, just want people to know that. So this time, for the first time ever, I paid people to move me. And... <laughs> I don't, everyone else seems to have figured this out. So if you're thinking to yourself like, yeah, duh. but I just want to say paying people to move is the greatest invention. It is so amazing. I was actually bored for part of the day of my move. I was just like, okay, well I'm standing here and here's all my stuff. And now it's in this other place and it's the best. So just movers, huh. that's really just hiring people to move is all I want to really dig this week because it saved me so much stress and I was still exhausted that day but i I was imagining it would have taken me like three or four days and renting a truck and getting friends just no way yeah movers all the way i'm gonna gonna extend that out into because i'm a fan of this in general in a fan of hiring people to do stuff that they are good at that honestly saves you time it really saves you money because the amount of time it gets done right I'm going to add on whatever, painting your house. Don't do it yourself. Hire someone to do it. Cleaning your house. Uh, you know, I, I mean, there's so many things you could talk about like this. I, But I think it, it just it's such it is very an adult thing. Yes. I think it is an adult thing when you realize, wait a second, my time is valuable and there's ways to have this be easier and better for everyone involved. And you're driving the economy. That's Nicholas, right. So well I am done. a job well creator here at job Podcast creator. Monster. <laughs> All right, so that's what I'm digging. Movers, Brett, right. what are you digging this week? All right, so what I'm digging, we I, we sort of had this exchange um, when we were doing the live broadcast on Facebook announcing the uh, the uh, topic for the 48 Challenge. I was wearing my new Allbirds, and I, even... I called them my indoor shoes. Oh, okay. Now, I'm not cool for... enough to know what those are, so I'm yeah, glad you so said Allbirds shoes. are shoes. They're they're made of wool. They're amazing. So first of all, I'm digging Allbirds, okay? okay. A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S. They're made of wool. Um, they're sort of part of their thing is that you can wear them with no socks. They never they never smell up. They're, they're amazing. But I got them, and they're so super comfy that I just started wearing them inside. And people who have kids may know this. I didn't really know this term, but my son, when he goes to school, he has indoor shoes. Oh. So when he gets to school, he takes off his outdoor shoes or boots or whatever he's wearing and he has a pair of shoes that wait for him outside school they're just running shoes but those are his indoor shoes and he only ever wears them inside so they never get dirty so they can always be worn inside huh so i sort of have turned my all birds into my indoor shoes now 
on the live Facebook, uh, Paige Sondrup, who actually was one of the listeners we spoke to for the show, she commented, indoor shoes, aren't those just slippers? Mm. And I would suggest they serve the same purpose, but they're way more, they're, they're super comfy. All birds are comfy. But here's the other thing I like about them, Nick. You and I both work from home. Yes. And the more casual I am, like if I'm wearing sweatpants and slippers, and it's just harder to feel like I'm working. Mm-hmm. But when I put on a pair of jeans and I put on a pair of shoes <laughs> and I go into my office, it just there's something about, I mean, don't get me wrong, I like being barefoot, but there's something about wearing these shoes that makes me feel like, okay, it's a work day. So I'm digging all bird shoes, but I'm also sort of in general digging indoor shoes. So And so I'm putting it out there. I've never heard of this indoor shoe thing. I mean, I was a high school teacher, <laughs> so they didn't do that, whatever. But didn't do that is this happened. sort of like what Mr. Rogers does? It is not only sort of. Now that you say that, it is sort of exactly. Yeah, like what you're Mr. always Rogers like, what is he doing? Yes. He's putting on his indoor shoes. <laughs> oh, man. I feel so much better about this dig right now. <laughs> I, me and Mr. Rogers, were on the wavelength here. Well, yes. Well, so I'm looking go. at these shoes. Do look very comfortable. Um, oh, so comfortable. I, I actually, this is actually a dig that I, that it's, they're not, they're shoes. They cost shoe money. So, yeah. but take the dive, dive in. Right. Oh my God, they're so comfortable. All right, well, that is great. We've got moving, we've got shoes, which would be good for moving, but not outdoors. And uh, <laughs> that's what we're digging this week. You should tell us what you're digging this week. Brett liked that transition. And uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is is popping right now. That's Explore WTS in all those places. And uh, tell us what you're digging. You're digging. We're leaving it in, we'll do it live. Rock and roll. This was classic. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the credits. Let's keep this short and sweet today. First off, I failed to thank and acknowledge WTS team member Kristen McMullen in our coda after the show, and I wanted to do it here. Kristen was a sounding board for me as we tried to find the core of this episode, and her thoughts and ideas definitely served the show. So thank you, Kristen. Shout out and thanks to Medicine Remixed for the props on Twitter, naming us one of his top four shows on Anchor. If you haven't checked out Anchor, do so through an app store or at Anchor FM. You can check out where they're smoking bite-sized chunks there, and while you're there, definitely check out Medicine Remixed. It's very cool and worth your time. And if you want to support this show further, you can do that by sharing it. Anyone come to mind while listening to this episode? Perhaps someone that is classic to you? If so, text, email, or tag them right now and suggest they give it a listen. Also, we need listener support so we can invest in some very cool ideas we have for Season 5. If you want to make a donation to the show on a monthly basis or a one-time gift, please go to supportwts.com. Where There's Smoke is an authentic, original, timeless, reliable, revered, trustworthy, and enduring podcast written and produced by Brett Gaida and Nick Jaworski. It is something you can always go to and hopefully the standard which you compare all new podcasts to. Special thanks to our support team, which is currently Kristen McMullen and Teresa Ward. When I am not exploring here on WTS, I'm a keynote speaker and a personal and professional facilitator. I work at companies around the world and I'd love to add your company or organization to the list. Reach 
reach out to me at brett at brettgaida.com for more info. That is B-R-E-T-T-G-A-J-D-A. And when Nick is not exploring and editing here, he is editing elsewhere as his company Podcast Monster helps people make awesome podcasts. Go to podcastmonster.com for more information on how you could work with Nick. Our podcast cover was designed by Sam Goff with a season four remix by Ricky Rowe at Alchemist Creative. The WTS theme song was written and recorded by Des McKinney and remixed by Nick Jaworski. Speaking of music, speaking of Nick, Nick, what other artists were featured in this show? It's very late, so I have to be quiet. But this week we have music from Blue Dot Sessions, Lee Rosevere, Mads, Kumiku, and Kevin McLeod. Okay, well, I think that's it. Pretty sweet, I think, though not so sure it was short. Classic misdirection. Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next time.